the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From Talk 910 KNEW San Francisco, this is Rob Black. Rob talks about your money every weekday, live and local, from 10 to noon. Enjoy the show. Live from the Bay Area, your money, your life. This is Rob Black. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. It's Monday morning. It's the first thing I do on Monday morning is sanitize the microphone from the creepy, crawly, crud people that were in here on the weekend. Woo! Off to a good start. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Anything financial. Basically, look at me as your big brother who knows a lot about money. And we're allowed to be... We're allowed to have different opinions. You're allowed to challenge me. If I get violent and angry at you, it's probably because I got a violent and anger streak in me. But it's nothing personal. So we can talk money issues. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. It's one of those days. Wall Street's doing its thing. We're in the month of November now. And Wall Street's very, very, in my opinion, very dramatic. It's one of those things that on a day-by-day basis, it's high maintenance. On a week-by-week basis, it starts to make a little bit more sense. On a month-by-month basis, it's not all that dramatic. It's Kind of makes sense. But there's always high drama. Today, for instance, we open up, boom, with a rocket shot. And then right on back down. So we need a correction. We need a correction in a bad, bad way. Some of the data that's out there today. Oil, $78 a barrel. Ford, billion-dollar profit. Woo! Weren't these car companies in trouble not too long ago? Ford seems to have been the best positioned in large part because their management took the toughest stances earlier on in the, in the negotiations with the UAW and basically set themselves up for a worst case scenario. They hit a worst case scenario. Retail today faces uncertainty as CIT enters into bankruptcy. Retail is one of those really interesting sectors. Retail. What do I mean by retail? Stores. Corporate America count on a company Retail America, let me change this. Retail America counts on a company called CIT to basically give them little loans that kind of hold them over until you can sell the inventory that's on the store, that's on the shelves. So CIT today pushing towards 600-pound gorilla, huge company in the world of finance, huge company in the world of finance directly related to, uh, to retail. So today they're pushing closer to bankruptcy. So they filed for Chapter 11 Bankruptcy Protection Sunday. After months of struggling to avoid collapse, they are the 600- or 800-pound gorilla. Now, this bankruptcy is going to allow the Retail Federation to dodge a bullet during the holiday season, for the most part, because most merchandise is already in stores, distribution centers and such, so it's already out there. So companies don't necessarily need CIT. Let's take a look at how CIT stock is doing. You might remember last week at this time, I think it was actually on Monday where someone called in and said, hey, what do you think about CIT Group? I said, what price did you pay for it? He said, a buck, and it was at a buck 11. I said, woo, that's not too bad. So today it's at 26 cents. This is why you don't mess around with companies that are on the brink of bankruptcy. I told the guy, I said, be careful. This company's playing with bankruptcy. 
Today it's worth 26 cents. A week ago, worth a buck 11. That's pretty humiliating. Hopefully, and this is the hope that I throw out there, hopefully he's uh, not in it. Now, which two stories should I hit next? California taxes or the New York Yankees World Series? The World Series is going just the way New York wants it. They're one win away from their 27th championship. It's been high drama. Rodriguez and Damon go ahead, run, and Jorge Posada, he followed with a a, a two-run single for the Yankees. Uh, Very, very dramatic. A lot of ninth-inning heroics, a lot of ninth-inning collapses so far in this World Series. Can't really say that I see a World Series MVP, though. That's neither here nor there. But I enjoyed uh, watching a little Fox television last night. Maker's Mark in my hand. Couple friends in the in the in the whiskey, and then glug 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 glug. A couple innings later, you see where we are. How about this story? This story has to make you angry. You're paying more to California taxes today than you were on Friday, so your next paycheck is going to be smaller. And if you take a look at your paycheck, and a lot of people don't take a look at their paycheck, you're going to see that California is taking another ten percent from you. Basically, you know how you have those deductions on your uh, W-2 forms and you can say how many people you have in your family and or what sort of deductions you're going to get. Basically, the state of California, is, if you had one deduction, they're going to lower you to zero. If you had two, they're going to lower you to one. That's the basic idea here. Now, the amount goes up to 10%. Sacramento is borrowing from you and me now. Now, we're going to get our money back in theory. They didn't change our, our tax rate. They're just ta- they changed what they're withholding. They're withholding more. That's pretty offensive, isn't it? California is digging deeper into the pocketbooks of we, the wage earners. They're holding back 10% more than they already do in state income taxes, just as the biggest shopping season is, is on us. Christmas is right here, right now. And technically, it's not a tax increase, although it's going to look like one. You're going to see the state's taking more money. It's part of a bundle of budget patches that were adopted this summer that no one really took notice of. I don't remember seeing it. Think of it as a forced interest-free loan. You're going to be repaid any extra withholding in April. Now, those who would receive a refund anyway will receive a larger one. And those who owe taxes will owe less. So the problem is it's an interest-free tax. It's an interest-free loan from you to our state. I hate California. I hate Sacramento. Just what they do, they just piss me off so much. We're cash-strapped, and how do we fix it? Well, we're going to you know borrow more money up front. <laughs> As if the problem is going to work itself out on the backside of it. It's not. Our legislators are still going to overspend money. We get raising gas prices. We, we're hurt. We see depressed home prices. We see double-digit unemployment. And the state reaches deeper into our paycheck. State's suddenly slapping people upside the head. It's appalling how brash this move is. I, and it's so phantom. To do it on a Sunday when the, the media outlets aren't really operating, the extra withholding is going to seem small. It's an extra 10% of your state income taxes. Now, it's going to be $1.7 billion fix for California's budget deficit riddled books. From a single taxpayer, for instance, if you were making $51,000 a year, the state's going to take an extra $18 a month, roughly. A married person who makes 90000 with two dependents, they're going to get $25 less. Now, California is going to probably continue to collect the tax at a higher rate for many years or find an additional $1.7 billion slice from a future budget. They're going to continue doing this. You know that as well as I do. Now, you and I can get around this. There's actually a way for us to cheat the government here. Not cheat the government. Stop the government from cheating us. How do you do it? Well, you can go down to HR. 
and you could say, I, I need to change my, my, my uh, dependence. So you can increase the number of personal withholdings, the allowance on your claims with your employer tax forms. People can get out of this. California's budget leaders are banking that we won't get out of this, that we won't be smart enough to go to HR and say we need to change our, our tax withholdings. Now, the extra withholding comes in addition, again, to sales tax hikes this year, where we've already seen another 25 basis points added to our sales tax. Our income tax rate saw another 25 basis points. The vehicle license fee nearly doubled. Again, if you're not angry, and you know what we're getting from all this? We're getting less in our schools, deeper cuts. We're getting fewer social services. We're getting cuts in prisons. So the steep revenue losses in California. We just, honestly, if California was your little brother, you'd, you'd say he's drug-dependent, messed up, psycho, schizophrenic, drug-addled freak. I mean, California, if you were to, to humanize it, we overspend. It's crazy. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. So CIT filing for bankruptcy. That's a big business story of the day. Ford. They're reporting nearly $1 billion in profit in the third quarter. One of the big three automakers. They showed positive cash flow. Improving market share. Investors are digging it. Investors are bidding the stock up today. Ford is the only car maker out of the big three. It didn't file for bankruptcy this year. They reported net income of $997 million. That compared with a loss last year of $161 million. Now, that's pretty good. Congratulations to Ford. I didn't think they had it in them. Revenue for the quarter was $30.9 billion, down $800 million from year-ago levels. Ford reported a pre-tax operating profit of 357 in North America. So that's an interesting one because North America is the tough market to make money in. The results mark a further step in Ford's drive to survive. So um, Dearborn, Michigan Company reported a profit of $2.3 billion in the second quarter, although much of that was due towards one-time gains from financial restructuring. So Ford, big story today. CIT, big story today. State of California taking another 10% of our state taxes. That's a big story today. What's your big story? Give me a call. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. You're listening to The Rob Black Show. Any financial questions, welcome. 9:10 a.m., more stimulating talk. So much pain. We don't know how to be but angry. Feel infected like we got gangrene. Please don't let anybody try to change me. Me just 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639. Go through the Wall Street Journal today. I get the Wall Street Journal delivered here at um, the radio station, but also I, I take a look at it, obviously, when I'm in, you know preparing for the show as well. But not a lot of big sensational stories today. Nothing really moving or jumping out of the Wall Street Journal that makes you jump up and down. Typically, the best stories come on Monday, in my opinion, out of Barron's over the weekend. Barron's is one of those financial literature, magazines, newspapers that one thing that I like what they do is they challenge. They don't necessarily say, here's the bandwagon, jump on it. What they say is, here's the bandwagon. This is why you should look to jump off of it, not onto it. For instance, in 2000, they did a great piece. And I made money hand over fist in dot-com stocks. Money hand over fist. Uh, egregious amounts of money as an investment advisor and, and, and personally as well. Now, there was an article that talked about how companies 
top 100 companies in the dot-com era that were burning cash, the fastest burning cash companies. You got to understand a company needs cash. They need cash to operate. Company needs revenue ultimately to show some sort of business model, right? They need management and, and places and structures so they can get it to the bottom line. For instance, there was a company called Exodus Communications. Exodus was a big old server ranch. It was just a big old server farm, and they basically helped you know the dot coms. Let's say this radio station needed servers. They would you know lease them server space. They, let's say um, this radio station needed um, fiber optic lines. They would lease them the fiber optic lines. So they would they helped any company basically go onto the web and uh, host their sites and things along those lines and host the applications. Exodus had great revenues, fantastic revenues, but they kept spending money on equipment that they eventually basically ran out of cash. And at some point in time, you've got to like start selling machines. You've got to start selling shares. You've got to do something to raise cash. And Wall Street doesn't like it when you have to raise cash. Wall Street looks at it as uh, you have to issue shares to do that. And what that basically means is you dilute your own company's value. So if you had 100 shares and you have to issue 10 more, you know, you just dilute your shareholder base. So if you own 50% of the company, well, maybe you now suddenly own 48% of the company or 46%. So your entitlement to profits goes down pretty aggressively. Cash is important. Cash is one of those things that doesn't lie on a balance sheet. You look at a financial statement, cash doesn't lie. Revenues can lie and earnings can lie. And you understand that. For instance, if you look at your bank account, you see how much cash you have, right? Now, when you come time to work with the IRS this year, you may go, well, here's my revenue. And you may not tell them about that little side job you did where you got cash under the table. So your revenue can lie, right? But your cash in the bank account can't. Now, your earnings can lie a little bit, too. For instance, you could say I earned X amount of dollars, but then you can say I got all these deductions. I got all these deductions. Some of them are good. Some of them are are false. And you know that, and I know that. So your earnings can actually lie. What you actually earn from your revenue can lie. But the cash in your account can't lie. If there's one thing that I teach you today, it's it's that take a look at financial statements of publicly traded companies. And one thing that you're going to learn, cash doesn't lie. Revenue lies. And earnings can lie, but cash can never lie. Let's go to Randy in Oakland. Randy? So, uh, so now California has a spending problem. Uh, last week when the San Francisco County Tax Assessor was on and you were kissing his ass, California had a revenue problem. Randy? What's your point? Looks like we lost Randy. 800-345-5639 to get your calls there. thing I love about Randy is clearly he's off his medication today. But more importantly, he's listening to the show and he's misinterpreting my stance. People hear what they want to hear, Randy. And when you're on uh, psychotropic drugs like you must be, you'll hear what you want to hear. I'm not a big fan of government. I'm not a big fan of government spending. Not a big fan of government and how they pull in the revenue. I think uh, he was bringing in the tax assessor, Phil Ting, where we're talking about Prop 13 and how I'm not a big fan of, of Prop 13 tied towards corporations. There's no chance that I can change Prop 13 tied towards individuals. There's no chance. I think it was a silly proposition that was put forth that was done to get votes. And I think it did just exactly that. And I think it's hurt our state more so than it's helped our state. But tied towards corporations, I don't like it in any way, shape or form because I think it hurts competition. So Randy, once again, Randy, call in whenever you want, but try to get the facts correct and straight. Now, the stock markets in October were something amazing. You saw fish jumping everywhere. 
For instance, Amazon.com, up 27% for the month. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if you had the cojones to know that it was going to go up 27% and put that kind of money down, invested in it? That'd be pretty crazy, right? There's a company called Skechers. You know who Skechers are. They make shoes. They were once a very hot in fuego kind of stock. They saw their shares up 27%. Now, their income fell. Now, let's take a look at Amazon. Amazon's income was up. $199 million from $118 million in 2008. Skechers fell from $28 million last year to $24 million. Isn't that odd how Wall Street will work? Sometimes it makes no sense. It's almost psychotic. It's Why are you rewarding one company wonderfully up 27% Amazon.com for great revenue growth? Okay, we get that, right? Great earnings growth. And then you're rewarding a company that didn't meet their earnings expectations. And one thing that Skechers did do was diluted earnings per share beat expectations by about 49%. So again, hmm, I don't know. It's sometimes tough to figure this stuff out, isn't it? Skechers is based in Manhattan Beach, uh, California. It's up 70% for the year based on its casual but sexy advertising. I've always figured that Skechers sells mainly to teenagers and 20-somethings. But that's not really it. They're, they make shoes for all ages and all demographics. So anyway. It's neither here nor there. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. How about this for pride? I'm not sure if you have pride in this story or not, but I kind of do. It's Again, it's, it's USA, USA, and you can chant in the background, USA, USA. U.S. authority sees nine banks this weekend. That's the most in a single day since the financial crisis began. So over the weekend, the United States government goes, bank, we're taking you over. Basically, banks that have been crippled by bad loans. The move brought the total number of failed banks in 2009 to 115. Most analysts see us at somewhere between 250 and 300 failed banks in the United States this year. So before all is said and done. Now, that's the highest annual level since 1992. That's pretty impressive, huh? So who who actually failed? Mm, Let's see if I got any. A couple in Texas, Illinois, Arizona, California. Cal National. Cal National was the big one here that failed. Um, a couple umbrella banks as well, San Diego National Bank, Community Bank of Limont, Pacific National Bank. And why are they failing? They're failing because they've got loans on their balance sheet that are souring aggressively. And loans are, are negative. They're not good. And ultimately, you're only allowed to lend so much money versus how much you have in cash deposits. So when there's a run on the bank, the reason banks fail, you've heard the phrase run on a bank, is like you and me, we go in and take our $100. And for every $100 that they have of ours, they're able to go out and lend 3000 So suddenly, if they're lending 3000 and we take our 100 they have to call those $3,000 loans and say, um, we need our money back, or we need to cut the credit cards, or we need to, they have to figure out some way to get their lending exposure cut down dramatically when there's a run on the banks. You get the basic idea. That's why banks ultimately fail. Um, 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Let's take a little bit of a break here, but when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the hot stocks out there in the stock market. We'll see what else we can dig up in the world of financial news. 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show. 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk.
Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. Interesting that we're in a recession or we're coming out of a recession again. A recession technically is just one of those words. It's kind of like the N-word. We don't like saying it, but it's okay. Not saying the N-word is okay, but the R-word's okay. The R-word recession is wonderful because it curbs excesses. It slows things down a little bit. It, it fights inflation. The best way I can give you an example is the late 1990s, where kids were coming out of college making six figures. Kids were coming out of college, and you know they were pushing the arts community out of San Francisco and into lower-priced Oakland. Because landlords were saying, hey, we'll take a higher rent. We'll, we'll take a higher rent. We'll take a higher rent. Absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll take you. Absolutely. Come on in. So you could see that inflation's bad. There's something called gentrification that happens when a lot of money comes into an area. If you've ever heard of Hell's Kitchen in, in New York City, it used to be in the 1970s, this god-awful, miserable place to go. You get the, the tar beat out of you and you'd be feathered and lit on fire. Now, if you go to Hell's Kitchen today, it's actually pretty nice. So it's actually really nice. It's called gentrification. Money came in and it pushed income taxes and property taxes higher. And the property taxes forced the people who were living there who were uh, on the lower income out. They had to move to the suburbs, so to speak. Turned uh, the city into a much higher generating revenue business model. Some people don't like that. Some people do. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Again, inflation is, recessions are okay because they kind of curb the excesses that are out there. The excesses of, of, of high demand. High demand creates inflated prices. You cut down on some of the demand because of inflation. Because the recession, recession, you know, you're receding, you're pulling back, you're not spending as much as a nation, you're not spending as much as an individual, you're not getting the big wage increases, the stock increases, the home increases, you're not going out there and spending sometimes perceived real money versus not real money. I think if your home goes up in value and you need to take money out, it's not real money. Until you're ready to sell that house, it ain't real money. So I got an email from someone who took money out of his house twice and now he's in foreclosure. The bank's going to go after him. They consider that to be a little bit on the um, criminal side. It's a recourse versus a non-recourse loan. 800-345-5639. Guess what else the recession's cutting down on right now? Divorce. Think about that for just a second. Let's say you and your spouse are at each other's throats. In a good economy, you kind of feel good. You kind of feel like, I can find another lover. I can find another person to take care of me. I can find someone else to let me take care of them. But in a bad economy, uh uh-oh, you're on your own. Financial woes often drive couples apart, but the current recession seems to be having the opposite effect, with less couples able to afford the cost of a divorce. So the American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers, they found out that 57% of attorneys are seeing fewer divorce filings. Current economic climate is proving to be forgiving. Interesting, right? Forced away damaged marriages versus tight budgets and financial outlooks that are kind of creepy and dark. People are saying, hmm, I'll stay with this damaged marriage. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Let's go to Daniel in Concord. 
Hello? Go ahead, Daniel. Hey, how you doing, Rob? Um, I called you a couple weeks ago about um, possibly buying a bunch of houses out in uh, Detroit, and you said it was a bad idea, and um, someone else called and uh, I guess it was a young guy said that he was uh, making plenty of money on that, and I've uh, heard of several other things, and I just wanted to hear your rebuttal on that, because you told me that the reason not to do it was there's a lot of land out there, and in the actual city part, there's not that much land, and I was thinking... Detroit would kind of be like San Francisco maybe a little bit later on, and maybe it'll get to that price, but I'm not too sure. I think Detroit will be like San Francisco. What's that mean? Um, well, completely cramped, full of people, and um, a booming uh, um, economy as far as uh, residential goes, because, you know, San Francisco hasn't really seen... Been- hey, Daniel, I, Daniel, I gave you my opinion. Just, I mean, live with it or don't. I'm, I'm not going to change my opinion. So I, I think Detroit is a, is a crap hole. Um, I wouldn't visit Detroit if you paid me money. I wouldn't buy a house in Detroit if you gave it to me. If that's the way you want to buy real estate, because that's the only way you could afford it, then you need to raise your hand and say, I probably shouldn't be buying real estate. I'm so desperate to buy real estate. I'm willing to look at the worst of the worst of the worst. Why don't you, why don't you think Palo Alto? Why don't you get your sights higher a little bit? Why not go San Francisco? Why not go uh, San Diego or Los Angeles? Why not, you know, why are you saying, I'm so pathetic that I'm looking at the worst of the worst? What does that tell you about your offer? What does that tell you about your, your worthiness? Hmm. I, I see your point there. So it, to me, it tells me, Daniel, you shouldn't be buying property. People who should buy property are wealthy people. We as a nation, we got a sickness, we got a bad sickness. We think that, you know, home ownership rates are going to go to 100%. They're not going to go to 100%, Daniel. A lot of these communities in, in Detroit are being torn down. They're sending in a bulldozer to tear them down because they can't give away the properties. If you want to buy that and rent it, the guy right next to you, I mean, what's, what's your income, Daniel? What do you make a year? Uh, crap, under 30000 Under 30000 For some reason, in your head, you think you should own real estate. Well, um, I know I can't really afford it in California, and I've noticed that in other states like Florida, you can get a four bedroom for around eight hundred or uh, eighty ninety thousand. In California, four bedrooms going to run you set you back like uh, between six hundred and eight hundred thousand. Do you know what you could afford on thirty thousand dollars a year? Hmm. You could afford maybe an eighty thousand dollar home. Maybe an eighty thousand dollar home. Is that what you really? I mean, do you really want to pursue an eighty thousand dollar home? Not necessarily. Now, with your $30,000, Daniel, I mean, how you, you can't even go out to eat in the Bay Area. Pretty much. Pretty much so. I mean, that's it's. I think you should be focusing on going back to college and getting a better job or, or improving your job skills or starting a business here and, and being entrepreneurial. Um, I don't think you are really in the position of, of owning a home in Detroit. If you ever have to fly out to Detroit, I mean, come on, that's already that's 3% of what you make per year. On top of it, you're going to have to get a management company, or you're going to have to fly out and fix the toilet yourself, or you're going to have to, you know, a management company is going to take 8%, 9% of uh, the money involved in the transactions of, of renting it. If you want to do it, Daniel, do it. I, don't let me stop you, but again, let me be, go on record and saying I don't think you're in the position of owning real estate. I think you got some sort of whacked up perception that, that you should own real estate. 66.6% of America owns real estate right now. When we had a bubble, we were at about 70%. This thing is far from over in, in, some, in some crap areas where you're looking at. They will never come back. Stockton will never, ever, ever, never, ever come back in real estate prices. They will never see an all-time high again like they saw back in 2005, 2004. Okay. 
So I was just trying to take advantage of the situation, you know, because I, I don't want to. See, that's, that's exactly what you're saying. You're trying to take advantage. You're not, you're not financially strong enough. Like, for instance, after I spend all my money, after I, my monthly paycheck has come in, I've I, I funded my 401k, I've funded my mortgage, I've done my business partnership funding. I could look around and go, you know what, maybe I do want to pick up another piece of property. But you're not even maxing out your 401k, are you, Daniel? No, not at all. So you're basically, this is a lottery ticket for you. You're hoping that Detroit comes roaring back. And that you got in at the, the low sucker price of eighty thousand and, and you know you're gonna sell it for three hundred thousand and that's your lottery ticket and, and suddenly Daniel's gonna be rolling in dough and because you know he didn't quite get the job that he wanted to and you know life passed him by a little bit. It's it's finally your golden opportunity. I just I disagree with it, Daniel. I think you're taking on risk. And I think you're getting into an area that you know nothing about. And yeah, you can hear an infomercial, you know, Dave Del Dotto's you know, how to get into land and research and you're going to get taken because the people who are doing those infomercials, Daniel, they make the money on the transaction. They want you to be the fool. They want you to be the sucker. They want you to buy in an area that no one else wants to buy in. Daniel, honestly, think about it this way. Why isn't Donald Trump buying all of all of Detroit? Because uh, he doesn't have to deal that low. <laughs> Come on. If, if it's easy money for Daniel, it's easy money for Trump. You think he's going to turn away from easy money? Nah, or what about Bill Gates? Or what about um, you know Warren Buffett? How come Buffett, his job is to make money for his shareholders, and he doesn't have to buy publicly traded companies. He can come out on record, Daniel, and say, I'm buying the city of Detroit. He has enough money to buy the city of Detroit. Maybe, maybe not. But you get the point, is you're not hearing anyone with savviness say that they're doing it. The people you're hearing do it are kids. The people you hear do it are people who are in the industry who are making money on the transaction. I'd be very, very cautious, Daniel. Thanks for the call. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. What you need to be focusing on, Daniel, is getting a higher-paying job. $30,000 a year between the ages of 20 and 60, it ain't going to get you very far. It's, it's not going to set you up for life. In this society, you have got to be making $60,000. you have got to be making at least what the average person's making. <sighs> very, very frustrating. So 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800 345 Five six three nine. I want to mention there's an article today in the Financial Times. I like the Financial Times. It talks about the mutual fund industry. And to be quite honest with you, this is like ground shaking. This is earth moving kind of stuff. And you're going to say, Rob, that's not sexy. I think you will. I think it is. United States Supreme Court. They're going to hear arguments in a landmark case on fees for the $10 trillion mutual fund industry. At issue is the legal standard for when management fees are excessive and what constitutes a breach of fiduciary duty from the fund's advisor. Okay, let me put that into perspective. When you buy a mutual fund, you typically pay fees on a regular basis. That management typically collects yeah, sometimes 1%, sometimes one quarter, sometimes 25 basis points. It ranges. Sometimes it goes as high as 5 6 7%. Like the American funds, I do not recommend the American funds. Now, the case is important because it affects so many Americans and so much money, trillions of dollars. At the end of 2008, 45% of households owned mutual funds, representing 93 million individual fund shareholders. Now, the mutual fund advisory fees total about $100 billion annually. Now, Jones versus Harris and Associates, this is the big case that the uh, Supreme Court's going to be reviewing. This is not going to be made into an HBO movie. This is not going to be made into high drama. The only people who find this sexy are people like me. To me, this is like a Playboy model. This is, this is super robust sexy. Now, shareholders argue that Harris, 
which is a Chicago-based investment manager, overcharged them on management fees for retail funds it runs under the Oakmark name. A lot of you know Oakmark, largely because it charged institutional customers less. There's, okay, now that's weird. Okay, that's weird. See, here's the first drop. You as an individual, you can buy a mutual fund. Me, as an institution, I can get the same mutual fund and it costs me less per year. Just because I got more money than you. Because I got more clients than you. You're just a little pee. You're just a little drop in the bucket. And I've got 100 drops in the bucket. So I got a couple ounces if you get my idea. Supreme Court could rule in favor of fund shareholders. And fees in the whole mutual fund industry would drop. Because this whole institutional funds could go away. Institutional shares. You've heard about A shares, B shares, C shares, institutional shares. If it loosens the standards for finding breach of fiduciary duty, a wave of litigation from shareholders could follow, involving significant cost, and it would change massively the mutual fund world as we know it today. I think that's a pretty sexy story. Now, again, I don't know if you think it's sexy, but I think that's pretty damn sexy. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. It's the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, 9, 10 a.m., more stimulating talk. Three, four, five, five, six, three, nine to get your calls in the air. Man, this job sometimes is just frustrating because sometimes people just don't get it and they fight themselves so hard to try to become, you know, the next millionaire. When if you make thirty thousand dollars a year, you ain't gonna become a real estate tycoon. And if you're looking into Detroit to become a real estate tycoon, you're not looking seriously. You know, is a sixty nine hundred dollar home a bargain when you have to put thirty thousand dollars of expenses into it? Forget about flipping. You know, this is a landlord business. If you're looking at Detroit, you ain't going to flip that property. No one's going to come in and say, ooh, I want it, because they could buy the one right next to it. You would have to become a hardcore landlord. Do you know what the tenants are like in Detroit? Do you know what the job market's like in Detroit? Sucks. You got to understand that you got blight. You're buying into blight. Uh, you have to know the town incredibly well. You have to know the tenants incredibly well. You have to understand that investing brings responsibility. Um, it just doesn't bring rewards. So, Detroit's a ghetto. As Cartman would say, in the ghetto. Um, Dow is slightly up today. Stocks are paying some gains. Financial stocks are underperforming today. Um, the dollar's dropping a little bit after moving sideways. The book has been closed on October 2009. It was not a happy ending. On Friday, the market dropped 2.8%. There's a fear index, which spiked ultimately uh, right there ahead of Halloween. It spiked, and we're due for a pullback. Everyone knows it. Everyone wants it. Everyone sees it. Is it going to happen? I don't know. <laughs> that's, the, that's the damnation part of this game is that you really do never know. So... With that said, there's some good news out there today. If the market does correct, it's like the word recession. It's the R word. We don't want to talk about it. But it's okay. If there is a correction, it could be 10% from the peak. So far, we've gone down about 5.6% from the peak. Today, doesn't look spooky. We get reassuring manufacturing report from China. That's positive. We get Ford, and that's positive. There's some braces for support. 
how do things unfold? No one has a clear and definite answer. One company that I want to talk about is, again, you can always, always do well in a good economy and a bad economy. Now is the time to have a good shopping list in front of you. So when you see stories about California is going to withhold more of our taxes, that's scary. When you see the market, maybe we're due for a correction. That's scary. When you hear nine U.S. banks seized in the largest one-day haul, that's scary. CIT, one of the biggest lenders in the United States to retailers, they're going bankrupt. What's that mean for retailers? How are they going to get cash in the, in the future? So, so they're tied them over. There's a company, and again, this is what I like to do. I like to take advantage of a down market. I don't mind doing that. I think that's actually a smart thing to do. And in, insurance is a risky business, right? Insurance is a risky business. Progressive loves it, though. There's a good article in this weekend's Barron's. And whether you make $30,000 a year or $300,000 a year, you can become an owner in a company. You can become an owner. That's pretty cool. Progressive shares look appealing at these levels. They trade at a historically low valuation. Companies' revenue and profits are poised to expand for the first time in several years. We've gone through a recession, and when that happens, yes, they get hit too. They are trading at about two times book. They're not one of the companies got, that got into expensive derivatives. They're not one of those companies that, as a financial company, they didn't try to do too much. Now, revenue has been flat down in recent years. It was up a modest 1% in the third quarter. And it could rise to mid-single digits in 2010. Now, insurance companies are boring. And back in the 1990s, before the dot-com era, I would have said insurance companies are for widows and orphans. But in this economy where we're, we're playing with a recession or not playing with a recession, insurance and sideways, you know, unsexy may become sexy. I may go, woo, look at those. Look at this company. This company's growing at 2%. Woo! There's some safety in the knowledge that it's a conservative insurance company. What happens with insurance companies? I pay my homeowners. I pay my auto. I pay my health care. Let's say I forget to pay my auto one day and I get into a car crash. They're going to say, well, sorry, you didn't pay. You're no longer under our umbrella. It's a great business model. Progressive along with Geico are one of the few long-term winners in what are called personal line insurance industry. It's a best-in-class company. It's got a very compelling long-term story. Progressive company is motored beyond its traditional business of standard risk and preferred auto insurance. They're into personal use vehicle coverage, motorcycles, recreational vehicles, snowmobiles. They offer commercial uh, policies for heavy trucks, vans, and lighter trucks. It writes a bit of professional liability insurance for directors and officers insurance. Company markets directly to consumers online and by phone. They've got 30,000 independent agents, which account for about 60% of their company's business. I'm not saying it's the sexiest company in the world. I'm saying boring in a stock market, in an economy that's struggling. Sometimes boring's okay. It's okay by me. A couple years ago, they were making $2.5 billion. Last year, they lost a little bit of money. Last year was a tough time. Last year was a recession. They got hit along with everyone else. I kind of like unsexy. Not not as the whole of my portfolio, no way. But when you're picking stocks, you got to pick very carefully. Now, Time Warner is going to take a hundred million dollar charge on Time Cuts Cuts of Time magazine. Listen to this: This is how Wall Street works. They're going to take a restructuring charge of about a hundred million dollars, planned job cuts. 
They're going to report third quarter earnings next Wednesday time, Warner is. So they're going to take a $100 million charge, boom, just like that. They're going to use the layoffs to reach its cost-cutting goal through the number of jobs cuts. It's expected to be slightly smaller than 600 jobs or 6% of staff. What's interesting to note about this is corporations right-size on a regular basis. They get these big tax write-offs, and Wall Street loves it. When you hear on the news Daria Folsom say, Time Warner's cutting 6% of their staff. Oh, no, this is, looks like a horrible time to be a member of the journalist community. When you hear that, what I hear is, woo, party, let's invest in some Time Warner. Now, again, I'm not going to invest in Time Warner. It's too big for me. It's too bloated. But Wall Street likes job cuts. When Larry Ellison says we're going to cut 10%, Wall Street likes that. It's counterintuitive. You think job cuts means the revenues aren't coming in. Job cuts mean the earnings aren't coming in. But to Wall Street, it makes a leaner and meaner company because Wall Street operates on the basic tenet that the economy will come back, that everything is cyclical. So when you downsize or right-size, it means that when things do come back, it's going to be fat days, it's going to be gravy days. And who doesn't like fat and gravy? Who really doesn't like fat and gravy? 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Manufacturing. This was a... a headline out there today, and I've already hinted at it once, it expanded in the United States at a faster pace as factories propelling growth. Now, there's three things that can move a stock market, in my mind. And one of those three things is inventories. It's one of those business statistics that you look at and you go, huh. Because when inventories get super lean, it tells me that at some point in time, corporate America is going to send people back to work to make things to replace that inventory. Whether it's a car dealership, whether it's a grocery store, whether it's Best Buy. When inventories get lean, I see that as a positive. I don't see that as a negative. Because manufacturing in the United States expanded faster than anticipated in October, easing some concern about the economic recovery is going to be cut short. So when you see manufacturing pick it up, it's telling you the economic outlook is brightening. Why does manufacturing pick up? Because we're at incredibly low levels of inventory in the United States. So you have to keep an eye on uh, inventory levels. If you want to play the game that I play, for instance, Cummins. Cummins is the largest maker of heavy-duty diesel truck engines in North America. Last week, they reported profit the topped expectations. The company said job cuts and slashed inventories. That's the job cuts. Like I told you, Wall Street digs it. And slashed inventories, Wall Street also digs that. They said they saw some improvements in some markets in the third quarter. They expect the economic climate to remain challenging in the, until late 2010. Ultimately, one last thing I could talk about in, in inventories with you. Semiconductors, and this will make the most amount of sense to the Bay Area natives. Intel comes out with a CPU. If they make it right now, know that in one year, there's going to have to be a smaller, cheaper, faster version of that same thing. So inventories are killers when they're bloated. Same thing with housing. If there's too much housing inventory, prices fall. Prices pick up when there's very low inventories. You get the idea, I think. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. It's 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Don't be shy. Pick up the phone. Give me a call. Star 
General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.